Brought to you by members from Fratello. I'm Mike Stockton, coming to you from Frankfurt, Germany. I'm Robert Jan, coming to you from The Hague in the Netherlands. And we are here in 2020 with episode, wait for it, number 10. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Charge. That's what you yell at a baseball game, actually, when they do that. Okay. Yeah. Never been there. Yeah, probably not in the Netherlands, although I think there are a few Dutch players, I remember, or at least from the islands that are uh, owned by the Netherlands. Yeah, the Aruba, uh, Bonaire, and Curaçao. Yeah. Hensley Mullins, he was uh, played for the Yankees, and I think he's done some managing. So Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, first off, yeah, Happy New Year. We're coming to you uh, a couple weeks into the new year, but we've been uh, busy. We've been injured. We've been all kinds of things uh, here at the start of the new decade, although some people even argue whether this is the start of the new decade or 2021. I kind of prefer to think 2020. What do you? Well, yeah, I think so as well. You should start counting at zero, I guess. I mean... You're yeah. not one when you're born, right? That's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a busy year already. So uh, some people have been injured. Um, some people have been traveling already quite a bit in January, um, like myself and some others. And uh, we have a new managing editor at Fratello, oh, yes. Rob Nuts. Yes. Um He's uh, from the UK, or I think he's Irish originally, but he lives in, uh, in he's, Germany. He's from Manchester, so you better be careful. You better get it right. No, but I think he was uh, born in Dublin. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah, have a private call with him uh, about that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but he uh, lived in Manchester, and now he lives uh, in uh, in Germany near uh, Glashütte. So we're very close to the to the watchmaking. Um, part in Germany, aside from Pforzheim, of course, uh, that you also have there. So that changed at Fratello. So we have a managing editor who basically um, does a lot of writing, a lot of uh, corrections, uh, a lot of uh, content planning. So, And he will be a bit more on the foreground, uh, not meaning that we will be on the background, but um, yeah, we need someone full-time basically on the team that is uh, yeah, able to... Uh, to uh, to write constantly and plan uh, plan articles because we are pushing out a lot more articles than uh, we did in the past, and uh, we want to to increase it even a bit more without losing um, uh, quality. So uh, we reckon we need someone on board of the team on full time base that can uh, support us. So that's Rob Nuts. Um, yeah, I, I well, you guys were in town here in Frankfurt a couple of weeks ago, and I got to meet oh, yeah. Rob live, yeah. and uh, we shared some apple wine and and schnitzel, and yeah, that's always a good start. Yeah, it was great, great to meet Rob. He's a great guy, and I got to say, un- unbelievably active uh, since joining. So it's been 
been a lot of fun to work with him. So between he and Daniel taking up uh, some full-time roles with us, it's things are really coming together. So it's exciting. Yeah, exactly. I agree. It's exciting times and uh, we're growing quite a bit. So uh, yeah, that's a cool thing to see. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. So shall we start with the risk check? Yeah, but but let me let me run down the agenda or the agenda as they say today. Um, <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, just some a couple charitable things going on, uh, watch related to help benefit um, those in need, um, whether they be people, animals, um, all kinds of different charities uh, related to the wildfires in Australia. Uh, We'll talk also a bit about the LVMH week that just was in Dubai. And we're also going to talk a little bit about Instagram and influencers, which I think is a is a good topic to kick off uh, in the new year here because a lot of people are, of course, have made resolutions or thinking about what they want to want to do this year, watch wise and everything else for that matter. So I think it's a timely, timely topic, but let, let us do the, uh, handling controller and you kick us off RJ. What's on your wrist today? On my wrist today is an Omega constellation 95. Um, I've been working and it will be published uh, probably in the next few days on an article about the new constellation collection, uh, for men, it's 39 millimeter, and they revamped the collection quite a bit. And I thought it would be, uh, well, I have to say, I, I always want to be in some kind of spirit when I write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so writing about these constellations, I thought, well, I should wear a constellation um, w- while doing so. So I'm wearing one of the constellations from the 90s. It's from the 95 collection. And perhaps you remember that Cindy Crawford was oh, yeah. being pushed forward quite a bit by Omega. She uh, supposedly helped design the Constellation 95. And um, I think in that catalog uh, uh, of those years, I think even Piers Brosnan was wearing one on like a personal uh, title. Um, But yeah, I always thought these are cool watches and I really, really enjoyed them. And it was my first uh, serious watch in uh, in 98. I uh, received one. And... um, yeah, so I have a, a few of those, a few constellations. Um, I think I told it before in an earlier podcast, um, but I like these integrated bracelet models quite a bit. And later on in 2003, they, they uh, introduced a, f- a new model. It was a, called a double eagle or the, something like that. Okay. And um, in 2009, there was another, I think, uh, 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 iteration of that uh, of that watch. And then last week, they introduced a, a new collection. It's also based on that, but it, it became a bit more uh, mature, so to speak. Integrated bracelet, but you can also get it on a leather strap. Um, the, the bracelet and the case at Beff- has baffled edges. It re- looks really cool. So I'm looking forward to try it in the flesh during the Time to Move event that will take place uh, in uh, first week of March. Okay. And then uh, Swatch Group, so including Omega, all those brands will uh, introduce their new collections like they did last year. Um, this year it's a bit earlier in March. Last year it was in May, I believe. Yeah, it was. Yep. And um, yeah, and then the 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 whole thing starts again because in March we have time to move. We have uh, the Grand Seiko Summit. We then later on in April uh, watches and wonders. So the successor of uh, SIH, 
And then uh, last week of April, I think uh, Basel World starts. Mm. So it will be a busy period for us. Yeah. Anyway, I'm wearing the Constellation. It's a really nice watch. It's small. It's 36 millimeter, but because it's not a round watch, it's a bit more tonneau shaped and it has an integrated bracelet. It wears a bit bigger. So it's quite nice actually on my wrist. Cool. Yeah, I dated a girl in high school who had um, what would have been early 90s, so I guess it was that model, and I want to say it had a diamond bezel, and it was steel, but I think it had like uh, small gold screws, you know, at every at every link, and I just remember it being a really nicely made bracelet. It was, uh, as you mentioned, a very lightweight, thin watch, so... But it, but it looked classy. I liked it. It was cool. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah. yeah. And you, what about yourself? What are you wearing? So today I am wearing a Seiko 6159-7000 from 1968. So this is the, um, the 300 meter professional diver with the 6159 high beat movement that cracks on at 36,000 beats per hour. And Nice. Yeah, it, this is. Uh, I actually have two of these, so I, I have one of these, uh, the one I was wearing today from '68, and then I have a, a model from '69, which is a Dash Seven Thousand One, and they look very similar, but there are some slight differences to, I guess, the crown, the crystal, and basically they're they're not overly interchangeable. But this model I picked up uh, in Japan, I guess, sometime last year, and I had it serviced. Um, here in Frankfurt at the boutique, at the Seiko boutique. And the watchmaker there, actually the whole team there is is just fantastic. But the watchmaker there is a, is a young guy who uh, I think he he gets a bit of a, a kick out of working on these these vintage treasures, which I put in uh, quotes <laughs> that, I, that, that I bring in and, and probably some other collectors in the area bring in and – yeah, it's it's an interesting movement because um, the mainspring is basically impossible to you, you cannot get uh, a replacement piece. So he actually had a contact on another content continent and was able to source one of these as, as a collector who you okay. know they do some trading of parts and things, and he was able to get one and drop it into this watch and. I mean, I, I think I wound it up yesterday and I had it next to my Speedmaster, the uh, chronometer certified gold one. And uh, yeah, they were running neck and neck some 14, 15 hours later. So it is running beautifully. Oh, wow. Um, and, and it's a neat watch. I think um, for those of you who don't know this watch, I mean, you can certainly look them up and we'll put a picture in the show notes. But this was basically the inspiration to the Marine Master 300 uh, that that uh, so many people know and love and is kind of available today. It's not called the Marine Master anymore. It's got a ceramic bezel and sapphire dial, but the same basic shape is there. And yeah, for, for a watch that's 51 years old, it, it sure holds up well. And the, the case sides and everything, especially from underneath, which I know is not something you look at all day, are are pretty fantastic and to think this watch was yeah essentially japan's or at least one japanese company's uh competitor to things like the 
you know, the Seamaster 300 and the, uh, the Rolex, I guess call it the 1680 or 55, 12 or 13 at that time. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it stands up well. And, and actually when you look at a lot of the, uh, specs on it, it uh, kind of outdistances those watches. It's just a piece that didn't really make a huge dent in the Western market. So you, you don't see a ton of them, but cool watch. Yeah, it is. I uh, had a similar experience with uh, servicing Seiko uh, here in the Netherlands. Um, it's very difficult to get proper parts, uh, apparently. And um, um, yeah, they often use like donor movements or donor watches to, to get parts from. Yeah. Um, if I use our own watchmaker, uh, the Paul Diva watchmaker, uh, when he's not driving around in his Bentley, <laughs> um he always complains a bit about these old Seikos. He said, yeah, the problem with these Seikos is like with vintage Rolex, these watches, they were they were on the wrist of people for decades, yeah. uh, sometimes even, uh, yeah, nonstop and um, never been surfaced. Um, and they, they never did because the watch was running anyway. But yeah, at some point it stops. Yeah. <laughs> and when you never surface the watch, he really needs to replace parts. And then comes the issue of the availability of these parts. Uh, luckily, there's a lot of uh, donor watches and, and movements available and out there. But I think at some point, it will become really critical, I guess. Yeah, I think, you know, for, I, I, I mean, that's the, that's the brand of watch that I probably am the, most, am the most deep into. And I bet now five or six different watches I've bought, uh, you know, gold-plated similar models or ones that look all beat up just to get a donor part. But honestly, I've had it where I've bought donors and those movements weren't good either. So it, it, you start to run into certain things like uh, winding pinions and setting levers and, and just high wear items that, uh, yeah, it, it's very difficult to know whether that donor you're going to get is going to be an actual donor. Um but yeah. but thankfully, to your point, they made a lot of watches and you can usually find something. It's just something like these uh, high beat movements were pretty unique. And unfortunately, they're just, there were no cheap, cheap uh, versions to pull something out of. So yeah, you kind of got to get them fixed and, and then have to be- treat, them, treat them well. Yeah. Right? So. yeah, and I think you just have also have to be a bit lucky when you purchase them. Yeah. It's uh, difficult to, uh, to predict up front when you hitting the buy now button on eBay or make an offer. You, you, you really don't know, even if it says it has been surfaced, you, yeah, you really don't know what's, what's, what's in there and uh, how it has been treated. Yeah. And I, and I'm not, but it goes for every brand. Of course, it's uh, not only with the Seiko. Yeah. And, and, and I'm honestly not the most religious about getting everything serviced as soon as I buy it. And that sounds terrible for someone as into vintage stuff as I am. But I think with um, some of these rarer pieces, uh, I've kind of started doing it more more religiously upon receipt. I'll get it in and maybe wear it for a couple of days and then send it off because you know you could end up uh, putting stress on a part that otherwise might be okay, but you know there's no oil left or something like that. And yeah, then like you said, you're you're out of luck. You're you're searching for something that's kind of unobtainium. So yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So Good. we want to talk about a couple couple auctions. Of auctions. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you kick us off here with uh, the first one. Yeah. So I um, um, 
by the time this is going live, the auction has started. It's called the Watch and Act Auction. It's organized by our friends from Time and Tide in Australia. And they are auctioning a number of watches um, for the good cause. Um, one of the watches is basically our watch, the, the Frédéric Constant Moonface Manufacture. We, uh, we sponsored them with, uh, with one watch and the proceeds go to this uh, charity. I know Zenit um, had a, like a, a watch for them with a special case back, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Hublot has a watch uh, offered, but also the, the guys from Hodinki, they, they offered a watch. And I also believe that the guys from Monochrome, uh, um, yeah, uh, donated a watch. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's very nice. Um, the auction starts, let me think, um, Australia time is tomorrow morning at nine. So that will be the 21st, nine o'clock in the morning. So that's the 20th at 11 o'clock our time. So for us, that's today at the time of recording. Um, yeah, so it's a watch and act as they call it. And they have a wonderful, um, um, support from brands like Hublot and Zenit. Um, but basically they have like 16 watches that, um, that, um, are being uh, auctioned. Um, like I said, ours, uh, Hodinki has their Oris Divers uh, 65 limited edition. Um, there's a, I think a Doxa Sub, some limited edition that's has, that's going to be auctioned. Uh, even Mo- Moser and C, uh, is, um, uh, donating a watch. So it's quite a big thing. And, um, yeah, you should give them all the all your support. The auction runs till next week, I think, uh, or the thirty first of January. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a really good cause. And oh, January thirteenth, I see. Um, it's a really good cause, and uh, the auction is being done by invalu- invaluable platform. Um, it's like an auction house platform that Sotheby's and Philips uh, also uses. You can find all the details at the Time and Tide website or on Fratello, of course, where we uh, will publish a special article around this uh, theme. And uh, yeah, you should really help out. It's a uh, it's a uh, heartbreaking to see the the wildlife that uh, that suffers. And uh, I think Andrew McCutcheon from uh, from Time and Tide he told me that one third of the entire koala population is uh, not there anymore. Yeah. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. It is. Yeah. 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 Well, it sounds like a great, um, really a great event that uh, Time and Tide are posting. And, you know, we wish them the best of luck. And for anybody listening and who wants to help out, uh, they're, they're a class act site. And having met the, some of the folks who, who write for them, you know, a good group of people. And yeah. Vote with your vote with your wallet if you're interested in helping. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, on a very very grassroots and much much smaller level, much smaller, um, there happens to be an account out there on Instagram that I follow, and it's it's really purely fun to watch. Um, there's a a site called uh, Two, as in the T W O underscore Vintage underscore Seikos and it's a couple people out of Australia who list three, typically Seikos, sometimes a citizen drops in there uh, per day. And they do it on Instagram and they usually post a few photos of, uh, of each watch. And, you know, they start the bidding and people just sort of comment and, and leave a bid. And what they've decided to do is um, every other day or so, 
feature a watch that uh, either they or some uh, follower has donated and a hundred percent of the proceeds will go towards a uh, koala koala based charity in Australia. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they've mentioned uh, they've gotten pretty overwhelming support with people who want to donate things to, uh, to auction off. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's a fun fun thing to watch. Anyway, you see some neat watches, but uh, yeah, you even have kind of grassroots type uh, type accounts getting in on uh, figuring out how uh, the the watch fam, as it's called, can uh, support this thing. So it's nice to see. Yeah, nice to see. Yeah. I so agree. check it out. Yeah. All right. So so uh, next thing I wanted to talk about. Um, is LVMH uh, so LVMH? Yeah, so. yeah. So that's that's where I I was was um, informed by uh, Andrew from Time and Tide about this auction. Basically, I saw him there. Uh, there were some other um, journalists as well from other titles. Um, LVMH decided to do things a bit different uh, this year, and uh, besides Basel World, they wanted to uh, because they f- think Basel World is kind of late this year, end of April. They uh, want to uh, to start earlier in the year. With the, uh, showing their new collection, it's pretty early, and yeah, it's very, it was very early. Well, normally we, I, I would have been to the SIHs in January, but they, um, they were rescheduled to, uh, to, uh, to April this year as well. Uh, so LVMH took the opportunity to, uh, to host their uh, LVMH Watch Week in Dubai uh, for two reasons. Uh, Dubai, um, because there is a Bulgari resort, as you know, Bulgari is part of LVMH, and. Um, they opened this crazy, beautiful resort in, in Dubai. And um, so that's one. <laughs> Second is that uh, Dubai is uh, quite um, an interesting place um, for all the watch media and retailers because um, it's not as far as Europe from certain Asian countries, I guess. Um, so it, it's it's quite good um, um, reachable. For us, it's like a six-hour flight. Mm-hmm. Um I think from certain certain other countries is not that much farther away. And um, normally the weather is good, although we hit some days that there was rain. (laughs) It was very special in in Dubai. They they were not used to these amounts of rain. Um, But anyway, LVMH uh, organized their watch week, and it was basically only three brands by LVMH. It was Hublot, Zenith, and Bulgari or Bulgari, as they uh, they pronounce it themselves. Um, not Tag Heuer. Uh, Tag Heuer is also uh, belonging to LVMH, of course. But, um, yeah, they decided to uh, to stick uh, to, to Basel World, I guess. Um, I spoke to uh, uh, Baba, who is the CEO of uh, Bulgari, and um, he basically told me that, um, well, I asked him why they are now go- doing two events, Basel World and their own LVMH uh, Watch Week, and he said, well, Baselworld is more of a contractual thing. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So that might be the last time this year that the LVMH is at Baselworld, mm-hmm. um, which wouldn't surprise me, to be honest, because I think I asked him how many uh, journalists he receives normally in, in Baselworld. And he said it's about 800 or 900, a number like that. And he invited, besides 200 retailers, he invited 150 to 200 people from the press. But then he said, it's very selective. So I didn't invite everyone. It's just a selection. 
uh, and the selection that's really, really into watches and that we consider really important watch media. So thank you for that. Um, but because we want to have uh, quality content out there for our brands. And he said all the others, they will definitely publish about us, but they can uh, yeah, they can do with with the press releases that we have. That and I have to say their press packs were quite good. Mm-hmm. So indeed you can 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 really get far with uh, with those. But it was really nicely done. They they booked like three days or two and a half days to to be with three brands. Mm-hmm. So you had interviews, you had um, the product presentations, um, you had quite a bit of time to spend with these uh, these brands and look at their models and uh, yeah they had quite some some uh, some collections with them so that was quite interesting uh, to do but because normally in Basel world as you know you have like 100 appointments in one week and every brand just gets a little tiny amount of attention from us and from other titles and that's it and with this LVMH week uh, watch week as you uh, could have, could see on on, on Fortello we we did a lot quite a bit of output for them um, based on all the novelties that came out. Mm-hmm. So I think their the exposure is much higher um, if 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 groups like LVMH do these things separately from Basel World. Um, I think the same goes for uh, for Time to Move that has a bit of a different different angle than it had last year. So I guess they they also will have some some more exposure. Um, but yeah, that leaves Basel World in a bit of a strange situation and uh, we all do get the press release from Basel World where they now also have these collectors corners they do a bit more with independence and so on and so on but in the end I think it will be quite a change this year from from previous uh, previous years there was already a change um, already a change last year so there was already a change but if I, if I look at the agenda now I think it's it's the change is even bigger also with Breitling pulling out Seiko. Uh, with Grand Seiko and Seiko and even Casio, I think is uh, I think Sky Sit reported mm-hmm. about it that Casio is also out. Um, yeah, it becomes quite thin to be honest, and I don't know if you will manage by only doing stuff for like collectors or independent brands, and they really have to change their format a bit because I know what independent brands pay for a little booth. That's like unreal. <laughs> so, so it's 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 not of this of today anymore. I think they have to really make a change and. Um, yeah, I hope they will. I'm not sure if they are uh, very flexible, but I hope they will uh, make a change. Yeah. Because in the past, I really enjoyed uh, Basel World, to be yeah, honest. I'm, so it will definitely be different times. I mean, it's really, that, that's what I know. And I like it for, yeah, it was great to, to see all the brands in one place, but also the people and and it was exciting. I think uh, I, I had some thoughts on this last night and I think I'll save it just for uh maybe a Saturday article or something and uh, give some opinion on it. Because I think that uh, in some ways, um, yeah, I'm also not exactly sure what uh, is going on now with all the different brands is really the right thing either for a number of reasons, but, but I'll talk about it. Uh, I'll save it for an article. I'm not, not sure if I, I I will, um, hit a subject of your article, but I think what, what I can't imagine is that the really small titles with only one or, of, or two people working on it, and you have these titles, of course, uh, in print and in online, where the teams are just like a one or two person show. I don't know how they deal with this because, uh, for in- instance, the Grand Seiko Summit is at exactly the same days or on exactly the same days as Time to Move by Swatch Group. Mm-hmm. 
So how do you make a choice? Where do you go? And and um, wow. these things, and that's only two of them. And and Watches and Wonders and, and Basel World is is uh, um, not overlapping, but they are in the same period. And two weeks long is is quite a bit of time. Um, and then you have brands like Richard Mille and Audemars Piquet and and all these others that and Breitling, of course, that that pulled out of Basel World that also need their um, their events or, or or shows. So I think it's really. Um, it will be really challenging for small titles uh, how to deal with this, basically. If you don't have a large team or a number of like freelancers working for you who are able to travel for you, it's going to be quite tough. Yeah, and I mean, you know, certainly not the the main focus of my of my thinking, but, you know, one thing came to mind as well. I mean, you, you go to a lot more of these events uh, than I do, you know, times 100. And, yeah, you see you see a lot of the same, same folks showing up. I mean, you're one of those and, you know, you think no matter where you are in the world, you end up going to these things. And I got to wonder in the next several years, just, um, you know, there's more and more talk about, um, people flying all over the place and whether or not that's the right thing to do. And, you really had what a couple big events that people flew in for before. And now you basically have what eight, six, who knows what the number is. And yeah, I, I just wonder if uh, there'll be a little bit of pushback just on the, uh, you know, the, the responsibility side there. Um, yeah. Especially in a place Agreed. like Europe, Agreed. you know, where frankly, that's a, that's a big topic, but in any case, I mean, I, I think this this is going to have to run its course for a couple few years. And, you know, as somebody who negotiates for a living, I think uh, the, those who've separated from, you know, Watches and Wonders and Basel World and are doing their own thing, you know, they're clearly showing that they can and nothing like that to, to bring everybody back to the table maybe and have a have a refreshing discussion perhaps in a couple years. Well, let's see. Let's see. Yeah. I also feel that some uh, uh, brands pulled out based on emotions, oh, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah, not sure if that's always, always the right uh, decision maker. But anywho, um, LVMH uh, Watch Week was nice. Um, it was quite a packed schedule, but they, they really uh, spoiled, spoiled us. We had a great hotel. It was a great place to stay. In the evening, we had really nice programs. Um, but for the watches... I had a good time, I have to say. Um, since a while, since uh, um, uh, Bulgari came out with the, with the Octo uh, Finissimo a few years ago, um, I really started following them more closely. And um, I am, I think I'm ready for one. <laughs> I am really warming up to them and, and it's really nice. I, I tried a couple of, uh, of their new models on, on the wrist in, in Dubai and yeah, they are just super nice. And even also the price point uh, taken into account, um, the new steel model that they released, it's 11,900 euros. That, less, that is less than half the price of a Royal Oak. Which you can't buy. Uh, 15,202. Which you can't buy. Which you can't buy. And um, I don't know what the list price of, of a Nautilus is these days, and that doesn't even matter because they're not there or they cost 70K. Um, I think it's a really good value proposition. You get an in-house movement. The, the, the watch is really unique. And I, I even dare to say that it's already an icon um, based on the fact that you can you can spot one from like 20 to 30 meters dif- uh, 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 distance. Uh, you can see that it's a Bulgari Octo. And um, it's really, really well done. 
and um, especially with the new steel one with a different uh, um, finishing on the on the case and the bracelet a combination of, of matte finishing and, and polished finishing it's just really good and the price is really attractive and of course it's a lot of money but still I think it's a, it's a, it's good value yeah, I, um, they also have the, the, the normal octo and 38 millimeters I think I'm not even sure those are like half of half price and still have a in-house developed movement so I think Bulgari does quite a quite a good job at the moment yeah, um, yeah well it, you know it, it, yeah yeah you, you tried one uh, last weekend i think <laughs> yeah right? i mean your 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 comments and and just looking at that new steel one i mean i went and checked out an existing model which was the uh kind of bead blasted case and similarly colored dial the the steel piece the octo finissimo 40 millimeters and it actually fits my wrist um, because it doesn't have long lugs. It's, um, it's a very different look because it basically is, um, square. So it's as wide as it is long and it's just visually just a very different look, but what a work of art. I mean, the bracelet and then the movement is just stunning. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, if you can get away with wearing it or it appeals to you, even just to go take a look, I mean, I must say that the boutique there in, in Frankfurt was extremely friendly. Um, but it, it was, uh, it was worth checking out and I will go check out the, uh, black dial model, uh, with, with the alternating, uh, finishing on the case or on the links, uh, when it comes out, because I think with a black dial, it would draw the, draw the size in a touch versus, uh, versus that bead blasted. But yeah, you cannot argue with the price if you're kind of looking in that sporty dress type uh, watch with integrated bracelet. I mean, I, I I had somebody comment when I posted it the other day who said, yeah, really cool, but you know, the resale value isn't like uh, on, a, on a Royal Oak. And I think... Uh, Really? Oh. Do you do you buy a watch to sell it? I mean, it, why why would you ever? That's buying out of poverty. Just, yeah, it's 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 not the reason. It's not the reason to do it. No. So, but it no. but it's a no. absolute in a in a world of a lot of samey samey watches. It's a real unique piece that is that's worth taking a look at. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely uh, uh, cool. They, so they showed steel model. They have a, a new gold model. The gold model is on a on a on a strap, and then they had a new minute repeater because yeah, that's really out of the out of the wallet, <laughs> so to speak. But uh, the steel one was really interesting. Um, then they had for ladies the Serpenti uh, uh, models, new Serpenti models, and it was quite interesting that both Zenith and Bulgari they they had quite a bit of ladies watches, and um, then hopping over to Zenith. I think their ladies' watches was really mm. refreshing. It's the Defi, 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 and um, there's a beautiful, beautiful like a gradient dial in blue, and, and they have one in gray with set with diamonds, and um, it's really a sporty watch, um, but also very elegant. Um, it was a really cool mm. thing. Um, then they had a new Elite with a moon face, which was really nice, and. They had two specials. It was uh, one with uh, Land Rover, like oh, a collaboration, yeah. and a collaboration with the DJ, Carl Crox. And um, I was not too fond of that, a bit too many gimmicky details, but the Land Rover one was really nice. And uh, they had this pilot watch, like a new uh, new update. And 
that looked good, but I'm not too much into those, to be honest. So I didn't pay that much attention to them. Um, and we, there was Hublot, of course. And I think the big thing for Hublot was um, they had a red ceramic watch, which was really nice, I have to admit. And um, the other one was a, a Big Bang inter- Integrale or inter- Integral oh, yeah. uh, with an integrated bracelet. And they had it in ceramic, in steel, and in gold. And I have this slight preference for gold and it was it was really nicely done i have to say it was a great uh, great watch and uh, it reminded me a bit too much to the even with when especially when the hublot comes on a on an integrated bracelet it moves a bit more into the direction of a royal oak so that's i think the tricky part but i do believe that the, the clients for a hublot are different clients than from a royal oak so in that respect i think it's all fine it's just a matter of the brand or what you prefer and um they also had, and that's my favorite Hublot model. It's a classic fusion um, with gold crystal. So it was a black, fully black uh, a classic fusion uh, watch by Hublot. And it, it had this crystallized uh, 24 karat gold. Yeah, like crystal mm. on the dial. Yeah, um, flakes almost, like, yeah. Like, a, like yeah. flakes, yeah, I was looking for the word. Like like gold flakes in, in 24 karat. Um, that looks really awesome. It's not for me. But uh, yeah, I think if you are into these um, extravagant watches, I think this is uh, this is one to to look at. Um, of course, they had the spirit of Big Bang Rainbow. I think <laughs> if you if you can't get a Daytona Rainbow, you can opt for one of these. Um, but yeah, for me, the, the, I think the biggest uh, uh, yeah uh, catch of the show was the Bugari uh, Octo Finissimo, and I think the ladies' watches were really cool. The Serpenti and the and the uh, uh, defy um and i think that also touches the next topic a bit it's really something f- for those who don't want to be the the the, the person Followers. that buys yet another day just or something um it's really about your own style and decision making and um yeah, buying a watch because you like it and not because of uh, a resale resale value or um yeah and that, that's the next, next topic I wanted to touch is um, on Instagram. I had a, a phone call today with a friend of the brand, so to speak, um, of Fertello. And um, he told me that um, he can measure the impact of, uh, of uh, social media like Instagram on his uh, uh, small, he has a small watch brand, on his, on his watch brand. And they are here for quite, uh, quite some time already. But um, they used Instagram... Um, in the early days, and it really helped selling watches, and they really got new clients uh, through Instagram. But now he felt that he only uses Instagram to stay in touch with the community and with their clients, and that a lot of these people are going back to written words um, if they want to know and learn something about watches. And I more or less sense the same thing. I'm a bit um, less active on Instagram because I see the same stuff over and over again. It's Nautilus, Royal Oak. Uh, steel Rolex over and over again and um, of course you can see other watches you can search for other watches and th- that's good I think um, but you see that uh, there, are, there are these circles of people that that really yeah pushing these Nautilus watches and Royal Oak watches and if it is not a Royal Oak or Nautilus or a specific watch does not have the the same uh, uh, resale value as, as a steel Rolex then it's not yeah. good enough 
and that's something I just uh, can't can't wrap my head around. It's something that um, is beyond my belief that someone would only purchase a watch because of that. Um, on the other hand, you also have people that are really focused on specifications. They they just list the specifications of two different watches, like you would list the specifications of two different laptops, yeah. basically, and then. You, you purchase the one with the best specs. I think for a laptop that might work, but I also believe that doesn't even work for a car. Um, if some car has, has better specs than the other one, you can still go for the other one because you just like it better. You enjoy it more when you're inside that car or you are more attached to the brand or to the to, to, the, to, the, yeah, to the, the feel of the brand and the feel of the car and how it sits and so on. Not everything can be can be boxed. Uh, in, in, in two columns of uh, with, with specifications, sure. and um, to me that feels really unnatural. I always feel that you should buy what you like, and um, that that is what I have been doing. And of course, I had my my Royal Oaks and I have my steel Rolexes, but I bought them in a different at a, in a different um, era, so to speak. I bought them in the in the pre Instagram era, and I don't find myself buying watches from these brands. Right now, um, basically because of this, I don't want to. I don't want to be like that. I I really want to purchase the watch that I will wear and that I that I will enjoy for many years to come, and not because it will hold value uh, um, for the next decade or for the next year. It's it's that's yeah, that's not for me. And yeah, uh, I, 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 no, I, I I'm with you. And okay, I like you. I. I own a lot of watches and I certainly can't, can't claim to be one who wears the same thing, you know, on repeat uh, day in and day out. But I was walking around, yeah, as mentioned, I tried that uh, Bulgari on this weekend, but I was walking around the city and I walked by uh, Vempe. I walked by, yeah, both Vempe's and a couple other shops. And I looked in the window and I thought, Ah, it was it was really kind of refreshing to look in uh, in a shop window and just look at uh, watches from all sorts of brands at face value and not be barraged. But watch watches outside Instagram. Yeah, by the same by the same call it 10, 10 typical watches. You know the sub, the GMT. By the way, all these watches I'm naming you can't buy anyway. But it, it was just. Uh, yeah, really to look at something and say, you know what, that's a really good looking watch or yeah, I don't really like that. Or boy, I've never really thought about that one. Um, and I, and I hope, I mean, well, certainly by the, by the number of people who are looking in the windows, not everybody is, as uh, tuned into Instagram and the watch thing as we are, but there are a lot of people who, you know, yeah, they're, they're, if it isn't a Royal Oak, it's, it's, it's nothing for them or, you know, it, it's, uh, it's gotta be something that's hard to find, um, or it's not special. And if I think back to when I bought my Explorer back in 1998, I mean, I wanted that watch. I just really wanted it. I loved it. I mean, I still do. And, you know, for the basically 13 years in a row that I wore it, um, Every day I looked down at it and I, I just thought, wow, pretty proud of, you know, having saved up and bought it. And it just gave me a lot of joy. And yeah, it actually wasn't a very popular watch um, in the years after I bought it. And it certainly wasn't in the face of these huge Panerais uh, at the time. But, 
Yeah. You know, if you happen to like a watch that is one of these popular ones, that's great. But, um, or, but, or not but, because they are either not there or are yeah, very but, expensive. But, you know, I, I would say go out and make your own decisions because I think much like a lot of products today is, uh, well, you can't really go wrong in terms of, of quality. I mean, sure you can, but at a certain level, there's just really a lot of good product and you should choose what you like and not worry about resale value. I mean, if you're worrying about resale value when you're buying a watch of that is multi thousands of dollars, you probably shouldn't be buying it. So, you know, and I get it styles and, and taste change. So maybe it is a little bit of a factor for you, but, um, I think, uh, yeah, buy what you like and, you know, uh, kind of on that front, um, you know, you and I were chatting the other night, just uh, reminiscing about the '90s <laughs> and about how fantastic um, watches were at that time, and uh, what deals you can pick up now. I mean, if you're willing to wear something a little smaller, you can find some amazing watchmaking for under ten thousand. Frankly, under five thousand. Sometimes in precious metal from brands that. You couldn't even step into the boutique today for under twenty thousand. So, you pointed out a yep. Fashion Constantin. Um, I don't it's recall the, the, lay, the model name, yeah, but it was quite a handsome yeah, dress watch uh, model. Yeah, in platinum, and it, I think it had a price tag for around six and a half thousand euros. That's that's less than a steel digest or. Uh, uh, if 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 you want to stick at uh, at dress watches, that that's cheaper than a than any Chezier Le Coultre Master yep. watch in steel. It's unbelievable, and um, so I think if, if you if you really want to to buy a nice watch for yourself, um, I think the pre-owned market is is really interesting and and huge. And uh, only go to Chrono Twenty Four and 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 use the the the, the sliders a bit where you can uh, look at prices and so on and. Um, uh, or use a price bracket, and I think you can really find some some really amazing deals um, these days of watches that are not popular anymore. But uh, I think are kind of yeah, cool great, to, great, to have. Great and, watchmaking uh, too. I mean, these were yeah, they were they were they were and are great watches. Um, yeah, don't worry about these uh, yeah. hipster doofuses who are holding some collab party in. Uh, yeah, on some island somewhere with some, uh, you know, bespoke clothing maker or something like that, wearing uh, wearing a royal oak. Go go figure out what you like. I mean, if it's if it's a royal oak, then exactly. Hey, great, but uh, yeah, don't 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 be. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a royal oak or a steel Rolex. That's that's all fine. But I think there's more out there than 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 these watches, and um, and I also feel that there's a little. Uh, shift going on uh, also on Instagram I have to say um, I, see, I see this uh, up close from friends who have their Royal Oaks or Nautilus and, and Rolexes that turn towards just smaller vintage watches just for the sake of collecting they missed I think the, the joy of collecting watches and um, now they, go, they, they get all uh, uh, excited about all these little details and differences for certain models from smaller non-existing brands anymore um, and, and and start to collect them, and I think that's a, that's a neat thing. And um, yeah, I just hope that yeah, buy whatever you like, and uh, don't 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 uh, don't don't be influenced too much by um, 
uh, people that tell you what to buy or what not to buy because of resale value or because guess um, what those yeah. the, the, those Doesn't people who sense. do that they'll be on to the next thing um, when it's uh, when it serves them and yeah it, it it's honestly why I like to uh, collect Japanese stuff so much because uh, like you said the details just seeing how a certain model evolved over time and and collecting a few references to see how it changed and. Yeah, I'm nerdy like that. I like to line them up and take a look. And uh, yeah, it's it's inexpensive, frankly, compared to some of these other forays. I mean, not if you multiply it by 50 watches, but you know, it's uh, but but it's uh, but it's kind of it feels like um, it's certainly not my own little corner of the world. But yeah, I, I like the fact that it's uh, something accessible, let's say, and still provides some thrill of the hunt uh, fun at a, at a low level. Yeah, exactly, and I think I think all these plus twenty thousand euro watches, or even plus ten thousand euro watches, that's yeah. a lot of money for yeah. a watch. Per- period. No matter what what brand is on the dial, I mean, seventy k for a steel Nautilus is just ridiculous. There's a watch doesn't cost that much, and it's it's yeah, it's out of this world. And I I do think it will it will turn back to normal at some point. Uh, perhaps it it won't reach the retail price anymore in the pre owned market, but I think it there. I, I I do think that uh, some sense will uh, will will get back into that, and um, perhaps it also has to do a bit with the uh, with the non-existing interest rates on on saving accounts that sure. people buy these watches, uh, hoping to make a buck or an investment. But um, once that's done, I think uh, things hopefully will turn to to normal again, uh, or a bit more normal. And um, yeah, it brings the fun. Uh, back into uh, uh, collecting Absolutely. watches. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Good. Well, I think that's. Uh, we had to yeah. get that off our chest. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think our our, our discussions on. <laughs> you can dis- you can agree or disagree. You can let us know through through Instagram or by sending us an email at info at fratello dot com. Let us know what you think. Why you buy a certain watch or a certain brand, or perhaps you are someone who buys their Royal Oaks or steel Rolexes for a different reason than, than we mentioned. And uh, just let us know. It's no, uh, there's no good and bad. We just feel that there's more out there to, yeah, to I mean, explore. When I, when I post that picture later of my, uh, all you'll see are my, uh, my feet uh, poking out of a, uh, a Gucci sweatsuit. Um, you can let me know what you thought about our, uh, our comments. So, <laughs> and and you are Jay com- popping good. out of uh, that uh, rented uh, Lambo. You're going to rent for for an hour, right? And so yeah, yeah. half hour or half an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Very good. Okay, that's a wrap. I think that's a, a wrap for this for this uh, episode. We will try to uh, to um, to get back into our normal schedule a bit. We we uh, we our initial thought was to do it biweekly, but that's quite difficult or was quite difficult. But now we have a bit more manpower. We, perhaps we can find a Share way to a uh, to bit. come up yeah, with these podcasts sure. um, yeah. a bit more often. Well, good. And uh, if you have any questions or show topics, please don't hesitate to write us at RJ. Info at Fratello.com. That's our email address. But you can also send us a direct message uh, on Instagram using at Fratello Watches. You can also follow us uh, personally. 
that's uh, Mike in Frankfurt for Mike and that's RJ Boer Excellent. for me we'll talk to you soon thanks thank you <laughs>